0: music mm-hmm. Hey, Star Wars fans and Rule of the Galaxy fans, this is D-Doc in the pilot seat tonight for Chapter 162 of Rule of the Galaxy podcast, and tonight we do start our episode off with some special news for our usual uh, host of Rule of the Galaxy podcast. Joe is now a grandfather, so congratulations to- uh, Congratulations to Joey and his wife and the entire Molinaro family. The Molinaro family is growing.
1: Yeah, so. and I will share that the the size of the baby was rather big. I was uh, I was shocked—an eight pounder and 22 inches long. So I feel I kind of feel bad for her.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yep. But everyone looks good. Joe sent us the picture, so. Now uh I just recently had a baby, Nick just had a baby, <laughs> and now Joey did too. So maybe we'll do an episode of Rule of the Galaxy podcast where all of us just sit here with our babies and let them like cry into the mic and you know we'll try to talk about Star Wars over the noises that they make at one point. That would be really entertaining.
1: I mean Azalea, <laughs> Azalea is only two, so she would join into the crew, right? So yeah. I mean she's right? on here all the time enough as it is. <laughs>
0: But congratulations to Doe, and as we start Chapter 162, I'm going to go around the horn here, and we're going to start off with Alfie.
2: How are you doing, Alfie? Doing good, D-Doc. Always happy to be here and talk the wars, as Brent says. And
0: here you heard Alfie say, Brent. Brent, how are you doing?
1: Hey, living the dream, my friend. Uh, just this uh, I'm, I'm doing this workout thing where I'm waking up at 4 a.m. to go work out at 5 before I go to school. Uh, before I go to work, school, but yeah, so uh, it's it's going okay, and I actually don't mind getting up early because I've gotten into the habit. I don't have to wake up nearly as early as our friend Alfie sometimes because he gets some early wake up calls. Very. So, if so yeah. One
0: thing about me, I'm not a morning person. 4 a.m. My my odds of being awake at 4 a.m. are more likely that it would be me staying up until
1: 4 a.m. rather than waking up at 4 a.m. If I wasn't doing this workout thing, I'm the exact same person. However, my school starts, the teacher report time is 6.45 a.m. So actually going and working out forces me to get up and wake up. So like when I get to work, I've been, it's like I've been up for two or three hours as opposed to just rolling out of bed and rolling in. And I would have been an angry man till about 10 o'clock in the afternoon. So I actually, it works out
0: maybe I'll try to start waking up early. I think that would be good for me. I got, I got to work on that, but now on to our special guest that we have on tonight. He's a guy that you guys met at I triple C or ICCC when I was not there, I was waiting for that baby to be born. So yes, I actually was lucky enough to watch the interview you had with this man last night. Um, <laughs> Flynn
3: Hendricks, Flynn, how are you doing? I am fantastic. And thank you guys for having me on here. It's good to see some of y'all again. And, Man, thanks for, um, I don't know, making me feel guilty for not getting up at four in the morning to work out anymore, <laughs> because I used to do that. Everything you said is true, but now I don't even want to think about being up that early. Anymore. Uh,
1: yeah, I don't want to think about it either. However, you get your workout in too, because I'm, I'm going to kind of lead into the question and a segue into it. Um, you're kind of an interesting, not only are you a Star Wars fan, but you have a little interesting background. So I think I'm going to steal this from D doc, but go ahead and let, let us know a little bit about Flint Hendricks for anyone else that hasn't heard it. Yet.
3: Well, as we're on the subject of workouts, after we wrap up here, it is leg day. So I've got to get it in. Oh. Uh-huh. So I'll go to bed sore, but we got to get it done. But as far as the background goes, let's, let's run through every hat that I wear. Uh, <laughs> husband, father haven't had any kids recently, three years ago. That's about as close as I'm going to get, but um. Got husband, father, I'm an actor, I'm a podcaster, and I'm a professional wrestler on top of all that. So yeah, the workouts have to come in. Otherwise I get no sanity.
0: Yeah, I was actually looking over your, uh, site, uh, Joe sent it to me a couple of days ago and I'm reading it and I'm like, what does this man not do? Actually, I see voice acting. I see you got your podcast. I'm reading about your wrestling career and all these other things. I mean, it even says that you've done some stuff with WWE as well, oh. uh, pretty recently too, right?
3: Absolutely, yeah. If you've, uh, if you watched SummerSlam, then you saw me on there. So you saw, so what, I,
1: oh, go ahead. So, so what did you do on SummerSlam? Since I didn't see it, I'm not a huge
3: I, wrestling fan. I gotcha. I'll tell you, I'll just go ahead and give you the segment. Um, If you want to go and watch right before uh the second women's title match of the night, there was a pull apart between uh Matt Riddle and Seth Rollins. If you see a bald security guard, that was yours truly. <laughs>
1: fantastic
3: so how did you get that gig um a guy that i used to wrestle with guy which it's so weird to say like over 10 years ago like 2009 2010 is uh in the talent relations department around uh with wwe now and i just randomly reached out to him to see about any you know extra spots that may be coming up because the last guy had been let go and that's the first one i got back and oddly enough it was right before i triple c earlier this year like i got the email went and did the physical came and sat up my booth the day before everything started for VIP day. And it all just kind of went from there.
0: That is awesome, man. I don't like, I mean, not a fan of that. Yeah. So on top of all of that stuff, you're also obviously a star Wars fan, which if you're watching on YouTube, you can see that Flynn is wearing one of our rule of the galaxy podcast uh, t-shirts right now, which is awesome. You can find those on our Etsy shop. Shout out to Etsy. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit what got you uh, into Star Wars? Give us like your little brief history of uh, your love for Star Wars.
3: And I can I can tell you the two first memories I have of Star Wars because I, it, it was, I was about seven or eight years old. And it was about the time like 1997 when they started re-releasing the original trilogy. And I just remember my parents back when they were still together taking me and my sister to a movie theater that no longer exists to see A New Hope. And then um, I I just remember being hooked after that. And then, you know, like two months later, my mom brings home that illustrious three golden box set of the original trilogy on VHS. I remember that. And then like just getting it in the afternoon and watching it until well past midnight, watching all three nonstop and then finding my mom's old, like 1977. um, It was the only one that was still intact, but she had the Princess Leia from that original Kenner line. And it was the only figure that was still intact that she had. And I just remember finding that and having it with like all of my power of the force figures and just like having to get into everything, books, toys, you name it. Like I had to have it. That is awesome. It's making
0: me think of uh, Brent in the armchair uh, seat when he was a kid, that story that he told.
3: Yep, And it's so funny too, like, cause I remember being so hooked on it. But I completely blanked out, you know, like, because I'll go ahead and give you a spoiler alert. The Emperor is my favorite character. But I completely forgot that he was not, like, Ian McDermott was not the original actor in Empire Strikes Back. It was a woman in an orangutan mask. Like, I forgot all about that. And somebody had to remind me. And it's like, just the things you block out as a kid. Like, I never even caught that.
0: I, I've, now I'm posting, I'm going to put myself out there right now. I'm 31 years old. There's some things about Star Wars that I just admit that I don't know. And I'm fine with that. I never saw that original clip of the emperor with that weird face until like a year, like two
1: years ago, probably. Right. And I was like shocked to see that. So, so now I'm going to ask you, D-Doc, what was the first Empire Strikes Back that you remember seeing? Was it the THX, VHS? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, those? Okay.
0: These are my original. This is what got me into it, basically. I got a Millennium Falcon for Christmas, and then I got these VHSs, and that's pretty Alfie. much what did it.
1: Alfie, help me out on those. Those are the original. That still has the Emperor, right? That those are the ones. They're not edited, are they? They're not the special no, that,
2: editions. Those aren't. Are those the special editions? I thought the special edition was the gold. Uh, yeah, box. This is the gold one. Yeah, these so I think those mastered. Right, I so I think know.
1: those still have. I think those still have the. Uh, if you pop in the Empire, I think you'll still see the non-Ian McDermott Empire. They have since went back and thrown him back in. So anything, if you pull up Disney Plus, if you the Disney Plus one's going to have Ian and it, it's going to have McClunky in it too. But um, those VHS ones, like, because I think I had like three different VHS copies. I had that copy that you have. Mm-hmm. Um, and i'm pretty sure that yeah it's just the sound and it's like that's the first time that i remember like the dolby like sound
3: mm-hmm.
1: that comes on right at the beginning
0: that's why it's like i don't know <laughs> if my childhood has just blended you know the my my love of the original trilogy because that's what got these vhs's are really what got me into it i, I remember we i used to worry that i was going to break the empire strikes back vhs cuz i would just rewind a battle of hoth all the time and just replay it but um yeah so now on to some other things here I have some topics on the horn uh for tonight and one of them is obviously (laughs) I segued into that pretty quick but we're just we're just gonna let it roll and you know we'll hear more about the stuff that Flynn does as we're rolling on here but I have, uh, which lit Twitter on fire. I don't know if you guys have seen it today or not, but um, Ryan Johnson came up uh, in the news today. And what what was it, Alfie? Could you tell me, uh, what, what, what was it? Was it a certain anniversary of The Last Jedi or something? Yeah, I think
2: it's five years. Okay. You know, a five-year revisit. Yes.
0: So we had uh, him talking about five years and looking back on it, and he just said, like, As the five years has gone by, he's even more proud of it. And he says, you know, I really kind of swung for the fences with that one, you know, and he it sounds like he's pretty much just like, yeah, I have no regrets with what I did with that movie. I know it might be controversial. Uh, What are your guys thoughts on The Last Jedi five years (laughs) later? I'll let whoever wants to go start.
3: You can go ahead, Flynn, start it off. I'll, I'll say it may not be a popular opinion, but I enjoyed it. And I think the biggest thing for me, and it took me a while to process it, but it's easy to get looped into all these theories and, you know, like fan theories that you see online about what's going to happen in the movie or who Snoke was or what his purpose was and all this stuff. But when it doesn't play out that way, you know, I, I think people just automatically got mad. But once you get past that and you watch it again, like it wasn't a bad movie. It had a lot of bold choices that may not have been the Star Wars norm at the time, but I, I think it was a good movie. It's not my favorite, but I I won't say that it was a bad movie. All right, I like that.
0: I like that. All right. What do you What do you think, uh, Alfie? I'm going to put you on the spot.
3: Okay. Well,
2: uh, you know, he's the director, and he's an artist. It, you know, regardless of what the public thinks of his art, I don't think him as a creator is going to say hey i think you know looking back yeah this was kind of crap or whatever whatever you regardless of what you think yeah i should have done this or i should have done that i would hope that yeah he feels that he put his best effort into making a good movie whether i like it or not that's on me it's my interpretation of what he creates and that's not necessarily has any impact on how he feels about what he creates
0: okay i like that
1: yeah, so it's kind of like what I was, it was kind of like what I was saying, I, the one of the last podcasts that I was on, when artists create art and put it out into the world, it's my interpretation of it. I think I used the Drew Carpition and the Darth Zana, uh, basically getting Darth Bane, like Bane transferring his essence into Zana because his her fingers were twitching as like one of the last images in the book. And like Drew Karpishian will say that that's not the case, that he didn't do that, but he wrote it that way. And my brain is interpreted that way. So I am taking the liberty to interpret his art based upon the way that my brain interprets the art. So mm-hmm. I'm agreeing with Alfie. Like, yeah. Like, what do you expect of a man who worked in a, like, what is it? A hundred billion dollar movie, like in the movie industry, he, I don't, I, he also, did he write it as well? Or if he didn't write it, he created it. Like there was the bulk of it was his idea. He directed it. He's going to say that he liked it because he did what he wanted to do. He, everybody bought into it. And from the stories that I think I've heard, the, the higher-ups and the executives were excited about the movie because they liked the direction it was going. It was only when it hit the general public did the backlash come. And yep. there's hundreds of reasons for the backlash. I think, like, but Yeah go ahead D. <laughs> yeah
0: and i mean i agree obviously it's like a the last jedi is probably like one of the biggest like lightning topics when it comes to star wars which you guys just gave very nice kumbaya answers to that so i was actually enjoying the uh answers to it five years later maybe the maybe some dust is settling a little bit maybe some things yeah. are calming down a little bit
1: I, i'm or past we,
2: all of that or we just yeah. don't want
1: to rehash the negative and bring it all back up too <laughs> you know,
2: I have no problem saying that I did not enjoy the movie. I, me personally, I felt it was very long and it was very dull. And the one, you know, place in the movie where I actually stood up out of my seat was when Kylo Ren and Rey fought together. I thought, Holy crap, we are going in a whole new direction. And then 30 seconds later, it's back to me bad, you good. And I thought, well, Yeah, that was bold to have them fight together, but then it didn't go anywhere. And that's Mm -hmm. what I felt the whole movie was, was these leaps of, you didn't expect this to happen, but nothing really comes out of it. Because it immediately goes in the next scene right back to what you were trying to get past.
1: I, I think a lot of people had a problem with the way that Luke portrayed or portrayed the the training sequences. Like there's a part of me that thinks he wanted to be like Yoda because Yoda treated Luke like crap right away and basically did very similar type things that Luke did to Ray. I'm not saying he did it exactly the same way, but like Yoda treated Luke that way until you hear the force ghost voice of Obi-Wan and then Luke realizes and then now he now he's okay with it. But he was not he was being treated about the same way that Luke treated Ray. The second thing I'll say is, and it comes back to Luke, Mark Hamill, I will, like, yes, he is one of the better actors, but I think he has created some of the divide because he went out publicly, said that he didn't agree with the character choices for his character. And by saying that, he made it okay for Star Wars fans to get on the hate bandwagon.
0: Absolutely. And people are still grabbing onto that because, you know, I was in the Twitter comment threads today and it's still, you know, well, Mark Hamill, Mark Hamill said he hated the direction of it until Mickey Mouse got a hold of him basically is what uh, people kind of they they do use that and grab onto it still to this day. But there was also another interesting thing that uh, Joe had actually sent me an article of Ryan Johnson saying that he actually had mostly positive reviews before this ever happened so he said like he said for him to ever even see one negative comment about something he did he said it actually really would upset him and like make him be like what, what have I done wrong for this person not to like me and he has said over the last five years he's grown to just totally be cool with that which which honestly it's like <laughs> is, is last jedi my my uh favorite movie probably not i don't like i don't hate the movie but i don't love it either but uh, as a person as uh, for him as a person for him to be able to be okay with because it's not easy to see that amount of people saying that stuff about you online
1: it's not hey, let's be honest though he also didn't really handle it really well for the first couple years he <laughs> And, and he is also kind of an internet troll at times too because of he was, getting, he was getting the hate online and then he just started trolling people as a way to get back at him. Like he didn't really keep the discourse um, in the positive, I guess. Like, and I don't have the exact quotes, but I do know that he would fire things off to rile the fan base up again after a little bit of time.
3: And I, I think too he actually had, he had social media to work with where, you know, like back when the prequels first came out, obviously, you know, there was a lot of negativity and backlash there that pushed George Lucas away from it. But I think he, Ryan Johnson was younger and he had social media. So I feel like when he got his feelings hurt, he would just use that as ammunition that George Lucas didn't have back in the day. But it, it's part of my language, but it's kind of a damned if you do damned if you don't situation because the fans wanted it. But then, when they got it, they weren't happy. So, what do you do?
1: Well, they wanted no more Star Wars, but I, and I think it goes back to what you were saying too. I think they wanted the Star Wars they thought, yeah, and they they built up these stories and fan fictions. That's why I said there's a thousand reasons for why I think the Last Jedi started this like divide within the fan you,
2: base. You can't just call the EU fan fiction.
1: No, I'm not saying the you're fan talking, there's
2: 20 years of novels, comics, and everything that built Luke Skywalker up
3: absolutely
2: it was and, silly for people to expect that after watching the force awakens but you can't blame people that have been reading a character a certain way for so long and then you need to do a complete 180 and not look at your dailies and say hey you know do you, anybody here think that this might you know rub some people the wrong way to finally see <laughs> luke skywalker and this is what we're going to do with them because i was fine with it did I really like it? Yeah, no, not really, but I'm fine if you want to go that way. But like I said before, make it interesting. To me, it was just very dull. And I think, go ahead.
1: No, Flynn, go for it. You're the guest.
3: I think the biggest thing is a lot of the stuff that might be missing from the movies is stuff that you have to find in extra material, like the comics or in the books. And so many people are are fans, but they're not to the point where they're going to go and seek out this extra material to have these, these uh, pieces plugged in where it makes sense for what happened to Luke or where it makes sense for, you know, like the Ray and Kylo dynamic of everything like that. I think that was a big problem with the sequel trilogy because people wanted those answers in the film and their attention spans are not going to go let them read uh, the novelization or these extra books that come out after the fact and plug it all together. So like, they're just going to be dissatisfied until they read the headline on the internet of, Oh, well, this is what happened to Luke. Maybe it does make sense now, but, you know, personally, I wanted to see him fall to the dark side like he did in, you know, in the old EU and become the Emperor's apprentice, you know, but didn't know the Emperor was coming back till the very end. (laughs) You know, and you get this argument all the time,
2: people will say, uh, you know, they're like Flynn is saying there wasn't a backstory to these characters. And then the immediate response is, well, George Lucas didn't have a backstory for the emperor, blah, blah, blah. We have, but he wrote the original story that got fleshed out later. If you're making a whole new story set after everything else, you don't really kind of have that excuse of, well, I don't need a backstory because eventually somebody else will write it. You're creating a new story apart from, you know, what's happened. So it would be nice to have a little bit more understanding of what, who or what these characters are. Like I always say, can anybody tell me after watching the sequel trilogy, what was the goal of the first order? What were they trying to accomplish? (laughs) After nine hours, does anybody really know what they were trying
3: to do? It's hard to say now because any argument you could have made got thrown out the window when the final order got brought into everything. So what I right that's a valid point
1: so <laughs> what i was getting at is not just that luke was different right so but i also were uh, the fan fiction and what i was talking about was the theories of who ray was the theories uh, those types of things that people built in because they were excited about the yeah. uh, force awakens there was the there people was- writing
2: the story were try- still trying to figure out who ray was Again, like I said, there's a
1: thousand reasons, but like, but the, but the fans had these ideas and had these lofty ambitions and these goals and had these stories built up and wanted to have those answers in that movie. And they didn't get those answers. So that angered them. They didn't like the, the ones that are the hardcore fans didn't like the portrayal of Luke. I, it just is you. And like you're saying that it came across as boring and long because it was kind of more of a dramatic piece than it was an action-packed Star Wars. Um, and they tried to throw in like their like Geonosis attack at the Colosseum with the Praetorian Guard and the Snoke throne room. They tried to, um, which was a fantastic scene. It um, was, but
2: like I said, it's instantly right. made invalid by the next <laughs> scene.
1: And the other thing is like, so you say, what's the what is the goal of the First Order? I think like. Huck, like there's no worse hux got treated wrong yeah uh, oh, he yeah. he stands up at the very first in the force awakens and he comes across as he's going to be this supreme guy and then by the third movie like they, he's kind of left out and is he's a punchline by the third movie and i was hoping that if they could have taken the first order and gone even more evil with him and i i think that was the trajectory they were going but Things spun in different directions.
3: And I mean, they set him up to be like the, for lack of a better term, the Hitler of The Force Awakens with destroying the Republic, the speech he gave. Like that, I mean, you watch that and like, it was a powerful, powerful scene. But then as it goes on, like you said, he became the punchline with the, the power struggle between him and Kylo Ren to the point where he's maybe got three minutes of screen time in the final movie, but he's, he's basically a lackey the entire time.
0: Yep, he's just the spy, right? <laughs> and the uh, the butt end of the uh, your mama joke in in, uh, in in the beginning
3: of it. He didn't get the phasma treatment, but I digress. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean
0: one, one thing that I will always admit that I people that I see people say is that The Last Jedi is visually one of like one of the best Star Wars movies when it comes to visuals. I agree that it was very visually nice. Like I don't think it was the best. I I do think there were some cool planets, some cool scenes in it. Like the throne room scene that Alfie brought up with Rey and Kylo. I mean, it was it was pretty awesome, but um
1: I mean, Ahch, too, is gorgeous, right? Or whatever, uh, what is it, Skellic Island or something like that? Yep. That is the deep greens offset by the ocean blue. Like, the grass on that island is so green. Mm -hmm. And, like, that, just that visual of that island and those ruins, which those were actual ruins on that island, like, that was gorgeous. I'll agree. Like that, that setting itself, that, that, that planet was pretty freaking cool. I I just think
0: that uh, with recent news coming from uh, John Boyega, which I even saw a quote today, that was not direct quote. It was somewhere along the lines of basically like JJ had a plan for me. Um, you know and that was derailed in the second movie kind of and and I think that just gives fans like more ammo to just be like see they screwed up Finn in the second movie too like you know like all that kind of stuff so I mean I think we're still going to be hearing the last Jedi debate in another five
1: years <laughs> absolutely and I, agree. I think I think if you take the last Jedi out of it being a trilogy and if you can remove it as a trilogy I think people would possibly see it in a different light yeah. but because they were expecting it to have this cohesive link to everything else it just didn't necessarily have that cohesive link so like and, and if you're looking at ryan johnson who just made that one movie and was looking at it as one movie and not necessarily as a continuation i can like you see what i'm saying like i think that mm-hmm. that that could be a reason why he also feels like it was pretty good because he's looking at it as just that snapshot of the story because that's what he made. He's not looking at the connection to the bigger picture, which is another reason that the sequel movies are panned by a lot of the Star Wars fans is because there was no direction. So,
3: and I think that's kind of like why Rogue One is held in such a, a higher regard. Like it fits into the bigger picture, but it wasn't part of a cohesive trilogy, so to speak. It was kind of like the binding piece, but it was on its own. And it's probably the most well-received out of any Disney Star Wars project that's been put out so far.
1: Yes, but Tony Gilroy, who was the, like, the saving director, the final director of Rogue One, built a backstory for Andy, and this is going to what Alfie said. He built a backstory for Andor and gave it to Diego Luna so they knew, like, to give him a grounding to help build that character. Tony Gilroy, like, they kind of worked it together the way that I've read the stories, but more or less Gilroy was instrumental in coming up with, this backstory where Diego Luna latched onto it and made that character a lot more real because he, he could feel the backstory and he knew where he was coming from.
2: Right. Right. And that's the point I keep making, you know, when we talk about the sequels and I hate to beat the dead horse, but it, the biggest problem with the sequels is the fact that you paid $4 billion for a franchise. And then you, you admit yourself that, In the third movie, you were still trying to figure out Mm -hmm. who characters were. That's not me making something up or reading into something. That's just the plain truth of it. If you're going to make that kind of investment into something, why wouldn't you take the time? You have the talent. You have everyone there. What, take an extra month? You know, I I don't know. You know, I don't know. I don't make movies. But how, how hard was it for Diego and Tony Gilroy to do this? How hard would it be for Disney to hire more people to get this straightened out before you you rush your product out? I and I understand because JJ Abrams himself says that you know he there was a time when he was walking from the Force Awakens because of time constraints. So, but why would you want to do that to your product? Why not make a better product, a more polished finished product? one arrogance
1: star wars will sell itself yeah that was what you thought right two and it goes back to what we were just talking about too and i think it was from the, the article everyone was positive about it everybody that saw it and i don't know if that's because they were yes men but everybody that saw the dailies everybody that saw the rough cuts everybody in the editing everybody in their their screening rooms and their tests whoever tested it and saw it was giving positive reviews. Like, so yeah. they never really heard from the average everyday fan. They didn't hear from the guys that are sitting around weekly on a podcast talking about Star Wars. They heard from the people, and, and it could be because it's Yes Men and people are like, oh, that's good, that's good. Like, I think, it was, Alpha, you brought it up. The first one that remember, uh, reminded me or talked about it, to my knowledge, was – uh to me anyway was this george lucas when he watched the screening of uh phantom menace and he sat back and was like "Ooh, i kind of overstepped here yeah. right? well, and he so it's he very wasn't really old able- <laughs> I, I kind of overstepped here but no one was giving them the hey i don't know if this is going to be received well everyone thought it was going to be great
2: yeah i so- mean and i get that you Rogue One and The Force Awakens, you know, were kind of the biggest hindrance in the fact that they just did financially so well. Right. The Force Awakens was, a whether you really like the movie or you, you don't, it yes, it was new, but enough old that it was just a great stepping stone back into the Star Wars universe. It,
1: it was fun and i left it excited and i every time i watch it i still enjoy watching the force awakens a lot like i the potential is still there it's like oh god i can see the potential and i feel like that's the way a lot of people felt and, it was, and i don't
3: it, it was so good that like they promoted it a year in advance and people were already just like they knew how to hit you like to reel you right into it because they knew you'd been missing it for 10 years so we're gonna give you this little uh, little tease of it and, you know, whether it was too much nostalgia, too much new, somewhere in the middle, whatever it may be, you left the theater feeling some kind of way about it, and that's that's what resonated with it more than anything.
2: Yeah, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find anybody that drove home from the first time seeing The Force Awakens and could not stop talking about who Ray was, yep, who's Kylo Ren, and what's going to happen next. Yep. And I'm just speaking for myself here. This is just a comparison. When we left seeing The Last Jedi, we didn't really talk about it because that was the first Star Wars movie that I'd seen that
3: at the end, I was indifferent. I I will say this. I did leave with two questions though. And uh, that was just, well, what happens now that Snoke is gone after he's been built up this way? And then, what do they do with Leia? Because, you know, unfortunately, Carrie Fisher passed away. Those were the two big questions that I had left, like leaving the movie theater, everything else was just kind of. Was what it was. But I mean, like those were my two big questions because I was invested in Snoke. Like I loved that character. I loved the, like everything you saw in the material, like he had another apprentice at one point, you know, like all that, all that stuff they were putting out there. And then it's like, it's just ripped away. Like, and you know, like, are we going to find out more? Are we going to do this? Well, oh like what happens now that you know carrie fisher's dead like those were my two big things walking out of the theater that i wanted to know but other than that i mean that's all that came to mind for me on that
0: yeah it it was it was cool the way snoke died too but then at the same time you're like you're like wow that was cool and then you're like wait a second uh he's just gone now we still really don't know that much about him and we never will And it's funny to hear Alfie talk about the leaving the theater experience because that is always the telltale sign of leaving a movie is the chatter when, you know, you're walking out the door. And um, I, I'm i like, I'm the kind of person where if I went into a movie wanting to like it back then, I would just make myself like it. And I remember I walked out of The Last Jedi pretty much just like my buddies, you know, my buddies, they're Star Wars fans, but they're not like they don't like live for it, basically. And they're like, that was good. That was good. What would you think? And I was just like, yeah, it was good. And what I honestly thought to me, what what might have changed things was the fact that Luke didn't actually fight in that final battle. Yeah, I was so excited to see him with the lightsaber. And then when I found out that he was like a force projection or hologram or whatever he was doing, I was kind of just like, oh, I wish he just actually did kind of show up to fight. Uh, that was exciting, but weird. But, you know, I guess Luke is dead. Uh, all right. You know, it's like that's
3: what left me feeling a little weird leaving that movie. I have a question about that too. And I don't, I I may be living under a rock, but I've never seen it answered. Why did he have the blue lightsaber? Why did he not have the green one? Was there a reason for that? Because I know he, the, the projection of himself was as Kylo or Ben would remember him, but I, I never understood why he had the blue saber because, you know, in the memories he had the green saber.
2: I don't know. I've always wondered that too. Just like, why did the dice disappear?
3: Yeah that's a good question oh we need answers like (laughs) some things we
2: will never have answers to multiple people hold the dice and then all of a sudden they just disappear
1: i well i'm gonna spin it because i I, to the next question that's the other piece of news about our boy he also said that he hopes that he can have a trilogy and make a trilogy that he he would really be bummed out if he was not given a chance or if his Star Wars, day, Star Wars days were numbered.
2: What do we feel about that?
0: <laughs> Go ahead. Let now. me answer
2: this first, because I feel like whenever we talk about The Last Jedi, <laughs> I'm the guy that is just really down on it. And I'm not. It's, I, I promise you, I'm not. I want to love a trilogy by Ryan Johnson. I wanted to love The Last Jedi. Like I said, I just felt it was very long and it was very dull and boring to me that's just how i felt it just it just did not grasp my attention from the end of the crawl till you know the halfway through the movie i really hope he gets a trilogy and he makes one so amazing that i have to eat crow for the rest of my life because that's how much i love star wars i want every star wars project to make me love it and I just feel like a lot of the content that we get just to me just seems very mediocre and forgettable. And we are only talking about the last Jedi still five years later, because it was such a divisive movie. You, it's one movie that it seems like you either absolutely love it and it changed star Wars for you in the positive or man, it just really rubbed you the wrong way. There's not a whole lot of it in the middle.
0: (laughs) Yes.
3: I would say, I don't know where his trilogy would fall in the, in the time frame of the storyline or the continuity. Same with, uh, you know, Taika Watiti and the one that he's supposedly doing, but he couldn't supposedly remember that Natalie Portman was already in the prequels. So, you know, you could, you could be worried about that too, but you know, instead of creating something new, why don't you bring some of the trilogy novels like, uh, the aftermath trilogy or, you know, uh, I'm trying to blank on it, the Squadron novels that fall in between Return of the Jedi and Phantom Menace, I think it's Alphabet Squadron, why not bring those into, you know, into a live screen adaptation or TV show, instead of just fleshing out something new, and I mean, obviously you want to keep the universe expanding, but why not just take something that's already in novelization form and bring that into reality, because there's still a lot of stories that would be awesome to see on the screen, and you have a safe background that you can you can pull from without maybe ruining the continuity or forgetting the continuity of something that already exists. And I'm gonna,
1: Go ahead, Brent. I was just going to say my, my, my answer to that comes back to what I said before, which is arrogance of the Disney corporation, because they've put a strategy in to move forward better or worse they they want to move forward they want to um, they want batu they want new they want to move the story forward so um the patty jenkins movie the x-wing movie which i was dying to see and i hope they still make it was reported to be using she was reading the background material from the old uh rogue squadron books but the tv or the movie was going to be set post sequel trilogy because we want to keep moving forward in the timeline
3: right but then again would that give a chance to bring those uh sequel uh you know sequel trilogy characters in like ray finn poe or whoever and you know hash out their story even more would that give them another chance to do it or are they just persona non grata at this point
2: it could (laughs) but it doesn't seem like anybody's willing to come back
3: yeah i think oscar isaac may be the only one that said that so far that he would be willing but I mean, of course, they've got him regardless with Marvel and Moon Knight and everything else. So if they want him, they're going to get him. So, you know, just shell out the money. I'm sure they'll show up.
1: And that's the thing. I think just like you said, no one, they like Boyega, I think it's done. Yeah. Um, but cocaine's a wonderful drug, right? Right. That's Alfie? right. <laughs> 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 and it's expensive. Eventually, hey, you got to pay I'm your s- debts. I am not saying that he's a, he has a It's a, drug a joke, problem. people. It's it's correct. Joke. Correct. But what jerk. what we're get, what we're getting at is money's talks, right? You can be angry at a corporation, but if they throw enough money at you,
2: yeah, I'll work for you. Like, yeah, I mean, you wouldn't. Yeah. Sure, I said I hated Han Solo, but for twenty five million dollars, <laughs> yeah, I'll come back and do a couple minutes. Right. So time the, and money, time and if, money. They heal if life. they
1: want them, they can go get them, and I think like that is when and if it gets to that point. Um, yeah. And I think when I talk to people about to keep going on the sequel trilogy, I, I think the characters everybody liked the characters, like the new characters. I think people really liked Ray; they want to know more about Ray. I think people really liked Finn, and they but they wanted to know wanted it to go a direct direction. I think people liked Poe, so that like their core trio, like the Han, Luke, and Leia, I think was working for them. Um, And I think the general public still likes those characters.
3: And I mean, there's still a lot of love for Kylo Ren too, because you'll see the whole thing about like so much of his story that was unexplored being, you know, like the prince of uh, like the heir of Naboo royalty, the heir of Alderanian royalty. Like there was so much more that we didn't talk about. And we didn't even get to really explore what led him to, you know, like turning to the dark side outside of, you know if you want to go and dig into the books but like there was a lot of untapped potential that people still wanted yeah him
2: saying in the force awakens what girl grabbed my attention the first time cuz it instantly made me think oh man there is going to be something about ray that he knows there's going to be some big story with the jedi temple luke and it and that you know went nowhere
3: and that line was written in what, like 2013, came out in theaters in 2015, and now here we are in 2022, and the closest tie-in they have to that just came out in a book that was released two months ago with Shadow of the Sith, where he knows Luke is off on this mission trying to save this family. And, but I mean, that still doesn't really tie it in, but man, like if we had known that back then, that would have made this so much more impactful for him knowing who she was. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. I, I
3: agree.
1: I'm I'm going to go out on a record and say, I probably wouldn't know that because it's in a book Right. Um, mm-hmm. up until recently. I didn't seek out the information from the book and I just lived in the visual world. Right. And which is why I was hoping resistance. Cause I really liked the first, like, I think it was 12 episodes. No, it was like 20 episodes in the first season. Anyway, the first season I really was digging the, the resistance which could have been a vehicle just like the Clone Wars, but poop happens. Je- the Last Jedi comes out, and they're like, ah, we're, "Uh, we're uh, let's pull back."
3: And again, like <laughs> the only reference from them in the sequel trilogy past that point is in the novelization of uh, Rise of Skywalker, where Kaz and one other person check in for the fight of uh of Exegol, and that's it and I, i'm
2: pretty sure you can see them in the film but i mean you have to freeze it
3: yeah it's like chopper and rogue one
2: yeah right
0: which uh if we've made our peace with uh the last jedi for tonight i do have another topic to move on to and that is rogue one because i actually have a poster here because i actually just went and saw it in imax over the weekend uh, with my I... son yeah and th- and if you're watching on youtube uh, they gave out this awesome Andor poster. I was like, "So, I, I'm i like a giveaway guy. If I see a giveaway at a movie theater, I'm just very excited about it. So the guy was just like, do you want two posters? I was like, yeah. And it's my son's first time seeing a Star Wars movie in theaters. So that made it a little extra special. Although I was carrying his drink cup in and there were just like no outside drinks in there. And I'm like, "He's, he's like, come on, he's a kid. But that's beyond the point. Me and my little guy went and saw Rogue One in the IMAX, and it was the first time I saw it in IMAX. Did any of you guys see it in IMAX when it first came out?
2: No.
3: I don't think so.
0: Yeah. And it's funny to me because I left the theater thinking to myself, why did, like, this movie to me is incredible. It's one of of my favorite Star Wars movies. And I'm not, like, afraid to say that. It ranks high for me in Star Wars movies. I don't know what number I'd put it at. Definitely up in my top three, probably. Um, Agreed. Why did why, why did uh, why did Disney not grab on to the popularity of that movie? I know we are now, and I know it's years later. We have Andor coming out, you know, but it's like you have Batu and all that stuff, and it's like you guys made a damn good movie with really good, memorable characters. I know it's one movie, but. I I don't know. I felt like that was kind of, they're just like, yeah, we got Star Wars. We put out this single movie, you know, it it was really good, but uh, yeah, thanks. You know, obviously we're getting into her now, but I don't know. I just want to kind of hear your guys' thoughts on what Rogue One means to you after I just went back to the movie. And Lord knows how many times I've seen it. I enjoyed it just as much as the first time seeing it in the IMAX.
1: Before I get into any more, I want to know more about your son's reaction. Like, I want to hear details I want to hear the ooh. When did he ooh? When did he ah? Uh, how did he respond to Borgullet? Because I think you were talking about that on one of the podcasts. Yeah. How did he respond to the hallway scene um, so, of Vader? Like those are the details I need to hear about Little Doc.
0: Yes. So number one, he thought Borgullet was hilarious. Actually, he wasn't afraid <laughs> of him at all. He thought he was funny. You know, I, I, where Borgullet is obviously creepy. Uh, You know what's funny is he really jumped at the scene when Jin Erso is about to get, you know, rescued from her little jail uh, ship and she goes to jump out and K2SO just slams her down. He was like, whoa. And, and you know, I'll say K2 was probably his favorite character in the movie, which is like, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, I will say, as we got from the scene to where. Um, uh, geez, I'm like, I'm drawing blanks on all these names here, which I just saw the movie. When um Galen Ursa was just killed with his um crew and then you're kind of like, everything's kind of dull from there up until the final battle. He was squirming a little bit, which is a long movie. It's a two hour and 20 minute movie. So I expected some squirming during that part when Jin is trying to be like, you know, we got the, the plans for the Death Star are there. We got to go get them. Squirm it a little bit then when that battle began he was just locked in he couldn't believe what was happening because that battle is what it's got to be 35 minutes it's awesome 40 minutes long
1: yeah that's an epic battle i agree
0: so when it comes to darth vader as well i showed him the trailer on my phone as if this was kind of like a new movie i'm like i'm taking you to see a star wars movie this weekend and he was like it was like a surprise showed him the trailer and it had Darth Vader breathing in the end. He's like, is Darth Vader in this? I was like, oh, I don't know, maybe. And uh, number <laughs> one, he saw he saw, the, he saw the Vader with Krennic scene, which he was just like, I told you he was going to be in it. I'm just like, <laughs> I was cracking up. But then when he saw how powerful Vader was and saw Darth Vader the villain rather than the cool guy, I thought he really, he enjoyed it. I was worried that he was, I mean, my son is almost six years old. So it's still pretty young to take him to see Rogue One, which like, for me, I was like, this is a decision I'm going to make as a parent and hopefully it works out okay. If he seems uncomfortable with it, I'm going to take him out. But he was fine with it. I mean, I did some explaining to him, whatever, but it's like, he he got that star wars movie experience now he's just been playing lego star wars on my xbox and he's like amazed by star wars and it's like he's asking me questions and i'm like yeah well the first movie was episode 4 and then <laughs> after that thing yeah so yeah he he got hooked and i wish there could have been the scroll you know the classic star wars scroll for his first movie theater experience and one thing that drove me nuts is they just kind of forgot about our movie theater and left the lights on for the first 15 minutes of the movie which that like that irked me bad (laughs) because i'm like i can't have any distractions and they have these big imax signs on the side that are lit up and they're very bright and those were on for the first 15 minutes of the movie finally someone got up and I was looking around at other people. Like, Can someone else go tell these people to turn the light off? Cause I got a kid with me here and I'm not <laughs> taking
2: them out again.
0: But yeah, that was our experience. It was, it was fun and it was memorable. And I definitely think it made an impact on them. I'll say. So what do you, where, where does a uh, rogue one line up for you guys? Uh, you know, I'll, I'll let you go Flynn since you are a guest. What, what do you think about rogue one?
3: As far as the Disney movies go that they've released, it's definitely the top of the top. Um, and it's in my top three as well but like the biggest thing for me is just how like because obviously the entire franchise is about a galactic war but this one was probably like the grittiest movie they've ever made where it felt like you were watching you know like an actual like war movie like a, a saving private ryan or whatever it may be and it you know sure it had its continuity issues and everything but i absolutely love that you kind of see like the struggle behind the scenes with the rebellion of, like, Mon Mothma and Bail Organa trying to not be, like, the Saw Gerrera type of, like, guerrilla warfare uh, rebellion, but at the same time, General Draven is doing things behind their back to kind of put that inner conflict in with Andor, and you can see him struggling with it as well, but he eventually comes to peace with it, but it it's very gritty, it's very... It was. It felt very real, and you get invested in these characters, even though you know that they're not going to make it through the entire thing. Like, when would you feel sad about a droid not making it to the end? But like, K two, he pulls you in. Um, you know, it and Baze. Like, that was probably the most powerful, powerful like death sequence right there, because that was a one two gut punch. That so was like, ah, uh, why? Like, could yeah. you not just let them make it through. But I mean, like starting off killing a mom in front of her of her husband and her kid in the field like it's just very gritty from the get-go and then you also get that uh krennic and tarkin struggle which had the movie just stopped when they showed you know cgi tarkin i would have been okay with that but i mean it, it just shows like all these dark seedy power struggles on both sides and it's very gritty at the same time and it gives us a uh, two new types of stormtroopers so it was a yeah. uh, it was a win in my book. Yes.
0: The death troopers are incredible. They're yes. one of my favorite stormtroopers that exist. Actually, you know, it's, they're just awesome. The, the mystery to them, the sound they make, the way they look, they yes. are awesome.
3: And I, I will say like my one disappointment with that though is uh, well, there's actually two and I, I want to see what you guys think, or if you even noticed it, but I mean, one is just how Saw Gerrera gave up at the end. I, I was not a fan of that because seeing how he was in clone wars and then seeing how he was in rebels leading up to that, where he's just this gung ho will die for the mission, but then he just, you know, he gives up. I don't know if that's because he saw Janet took everything out of him because he felt guilty or, or what, but I, I I didn't like that. And then just one thing that was hard for me to get behind was um, it sounded like Vader got out of breath when he was like, just listing off all the failures that Krennic had had when he first shows up at his castle and he like, he gets kind of high pitched and winded. And then he does the don't choke on your direct, uh, you know, your aspirations. But like just that one little thing where it sounded like they didn't maybe get the best audio recording for James Earl Jones on that one kind of got me. But then I was right back in when he got the, uh, the dad joke in and choked him a little bit. So.
0: Yep. That was great. Alfie, what are your, uh, what are your broke one uh, bigger picture thoughts?
2: okay i'm gonna to have to agree with you guys it's in my top three i think it's the best disney movie so far uh what i really liked about it was it is exceptionally an original story mm-hmm. it doesn't follow you know the the hero kind of journey that star wars is based on but again it just feels like star wars it looks like star wars it sounds like it I will admit the first time watching it that first half of the movie uh, I had a little trouble staying interested I think it was a little slow but every time I watch it now it that first half gets more and more interesting Uh, the second half you know I mean once they come out of hyperspace you know above scare forget about it that that's the best right there um (laughs) I think it's just a really good movie. It was, I know it had its problems and, you know, was reshot uh, some heavy editing, a lot of pieces uh, shuffled around. But I mean, it was came out a very good film, a very good Star Wars movie. And, right. you know, I think uh, where they went wrong was just thinking that they could do that over and over again and be successful. And I. Th- that turmoil that it goes into making movies. I I think it just caught up with them, you know, maybe not so much in the last Jedi, but definitely a Han Solo film. Mm -hmm. Yep. What do you got Brent? So I, I think
1: we as star Wars fans know way too much about how things are made and what's going on. And I think that's either a nature of the fact that we want to know absolutely every little tidbit or the fact that there's social media, because I didn't, I wasn't podcasting at the time. I wasn't reading the books. I wasn't looking at the scoops. I wasn't doing any of that stuff. So I had absolutely no idea that rogue one had production difficulties.
2: It's right in the uh, promotional materials. It's in the trailer. What? Saw-, Saw Gerrera and his troops are on scare of space at the end
0: see i didn't know it either that's what's funny is i was pre-social media during that time i did not have twitter i wasn't connected to this news so i didn't know it personally yeah
2: that's not twitter or anything that's that's disney marketing yeah (laughs) sure
3: the original like uh the original like promotional poster where they're on the beach
2: is that is that what you're talking about uh, the promotion they did a lot of promotional pictures and clips with the white yaki guy that had the big chain gun.
3: Yeah,
2: he was on, on Scarif. The he's actually packaged toy wise with Shore Troopers.
3: Oh, that's right, he is.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, they're in the same movie, so they're packaged together. <laughs> no, I mean, I get what you're saying, but I those things were so lost on me. I wouldn't have put two and two together, even I honestly. The fact that he's put with short troopers, I would not have made the connection that yeah, he was supposed to be Disney on. Behind the Disney
2: behind-the-scenes reel that they put out themselves at Celebration showed Saw Gerrera and his rebels on Scarif. Again,
1: this is before I was d- diving into my world. Like, yeah, I but had- you're
2: saying you had to dig for these things. I'm saying no. Disney themselves showed you that this movie was had problems and was heavily edited and reshot.
1: And I'm saying I have I had no idea, and I've just heard it after the fact. Going into it, I had no idea. Going into it, I had absolutely no idea because I wasn't aware that celebrations existed. I wasn't into the books. I wasn't into looking up all of that information. Like I I was a fan of when the movies came out, and I would watch them as much as I could, and that's where I stood as far as it goes. So. I didn't dive into comics. I like, yes, I am a big fan, but I'm not to the level of some of the other fans out there. But I do know that we as Star Wars fans community do want to know absolutely everything about how things are made, what's going on. And I feel like that gets in the way of enjoyment sometimes. Sometimes. I agree. And the only
0: the only thing that I always wondered was is i just remember in the trailer for that movie when when Jin was on the tower at scarif when she was going to go pull that lever for the um for the communications she uh she was walking to it and it just showed a tie fighter just pull right up in front of her and i was just like what is going to happen with that tie fighter when she walks over there and that just wasn't in the movie. I, I remembered. I'm like, is she going to fight a TIE fighter herself somehow? Like, you know, with a blaster or something?
2: Gareth Edwards himself said that the problems with the trailer, the scenes that, like D-Doc is saying, weren't in the movie that you got excited for. He admits that, hey, some days we were just shooting something and an idea popped into my head. And I said, wouldn't it be cool if like a TIE fighter flew by? Let's make that happen. Or like the scene where she's in the tunnel and all the lights come on at the end of the trailer. He said, you know, Hey, I walked by and she was standing in there and said, Hey, you know what would be a really cool shot? If like all these lights came on at one time and you look back, let's, let's shoot that and let's put it in the trailer, but he could never make it work in the film.
0: Yeah. And that's a, I'll admit, uh, jen urso felicity she's like probably my biggest star wars crush that is one thing i'll admit that's a solid I, know I grew up uh i know i grew up on padme and everything but i just remember rogue one came out around the came out after force awakens correct that's where it came out in line with mm-hmm. the star wars movies and i remember reading interviews before it came out and they it's it's felicity jones is it is that her name felicity yeah. jones um, they were interviewing Felicity Jones and they were like, how does it feel to be, you know, a female lead along with Ray? And I just remember Felicity was just like, Ray is not this character. Uh, you know, I might be, I might be a female lead, whatever. She's like, Jin Urso is her own character. And I saw an interview of her from like a year ago and she just said, when she was given the script for that and given the character description, she said she knew what they wanted to do with that character. And she felt a strong connection with Jenner. So, And that's just what made it. She she said, obviously, I would come back. But she's like, you know, we kind of did get obliterated at the end of that movie. <laughs> somehow, um,
3: somehow Jin returned.
1: Yeah, there you go. There you go.
3: She something you said right there, like just quoting that interview, like she had a strong connection to that character, and that's because the the writers and the the creative side of things they had that character fleshed out. They knew what they wanted that character to be. So you know, speaking from the acting side of things, I can relate to that because if they know what they want the yeah. character to be, and they give you a chance to have some fun and like make your own choices to add a little extra spice to that character it means like it, it makes the job so much more fun and a lot easier to an extent but you know like in some cases these people don't even know like the case of ray for an example they may not know what they want for this character and it's like well we'll know it when we hear it or we'll know it when we see it that can drive somebody mad like as an actor because you have to make these choices and commit to them but Sometimes it's hard to shut off the second guessing when you do that, no matter how much of a background you have, because it's like, well, if they don't know, am I, am I doing the right thing or is this, it it can be maddening. So I I understand her side of it where she said, I, I was able to relate to this character. Same with, you know, Diego Luna and Cash and Andor, because when they know where they want to go, they know where this character has been. It makes it easier to put yourself in that perspective and bring the re the real person to it too. So I get that
0: go ahead alfie
3: i think
2: one of the most interesting things about rogue one is where it started just that this was an idea by john knoll that he started working on himself and what is it his name doug chiang i think that works for ilm happened to read it and was like dude you got to make a movie out of this and it just spiraled from there i i think this idea of you know Gareth Etherward said it best that, you know, the problem with making Star Wars is it's hard to make something new and go too far to the left. And it's then it's equally as hard not to go too far to the right and make something that's just what you've seen before.
3: True.
2: So this one just, I I think, hit it out of the park, just being right in the middle.
3: The only thing. Oh, go
2: ahead. Go for it.
3: I was going to say the only thing that could possibly hurt it, and it's just because I heard people saying this, was they thought you know they weren't as in tune to the Star Wars continuity and they weren't like diehard fans. A lot of people thought this was the follow-up to The Force Awakens when we were seeing it in theaters, so they didn't understand the continuity of it. I think if, if you could say anything hurt that film, it would be that, but that's not even a, a blip on the radar to a lot of people.
1: And I don't think I've ever addressed whether or not where Rogue One is at, but I will say yeah. that in December of 2020, when our, our fearless leader Kathleen Kennedy mentioned that there was going to be an Andor series, I was on the bandwagon from the jump and said that that one's going to be fantastic and I can't wait for it to come out. Um, so yeah, I, I I don't know where it would rank at the top, but it it is definitely one of the ones that I go back to quite often. Yeah. It was it's one of the ones that like when I go to bed or when I'm bored, I'll pull up on Disney Plus and watch. So
0: yes, and I actually just saw an article today that uh, there was an entire outdoor city consisting of three to five full blocks that was built right. for Andor, and they showed a uh, they showed a view from up top. On how massive this freaking town is that they use to film this show. It's like it's they, just like, oh my
1: God. But here's the thing too, is they they went in and they were putting that production value into Andor in like 2017, even before COVID. Like so they were like they were in that production and filming and developing Andor without a lot of people knowing about it before COVID and then COVID hits and all these other stories start to come out and delays the production of it. They were building that and working on that two years before the Obi-Wan Kenobi was at the stage of Obi-Wan Kenobi. I know that thing was like through 12 years of development, but they were, they had been working on developing and they knew they were going to make this 12 episode show of Andor way before they committed to making the Obi-Wan series.
0: Yes. Yeah, and uh, one thing I will say too, without spoilers, um, although it might be too late for some at this point, but the scene that they showed from Andor before IMAX, before Rogue One was a decent cut, uh, actually, which I was surprised. And I, I figured there was going to be previews before the movie, which was stupid of me because they just went Andor trailer, or they went and or scene preview before the movie. Then they showed the trailer. Then they just went right to Rogue One. But the trailer they showed on the IMAX screen, I'm watching it just like, this is a movie, you know? And it was, there was dialogue. There was a fight scene. There was uh, new characters in different uniforms that they were fighting, you know, where I'm just like, who the hell are these guys? But it's just like, just that one little five or ten minute snippet that I saw was awesome and it just made me that much more excited for the show because when I watched Rogue One this time obviously you always focus on Andor you know he's one of the main characters but sometimes I focused on Jin a little bit more but Andor you know he really is a damn good character and the acting in that movie is really good So I was really, I I was really just like eyes locked on Andor the whole time I'm watching it this time. You know, what, what's his, what's his, uh, you know, what's his face look like when he's not talking just like certain things about his character, just following Diego Luna playing the character. And it just made me that much more excited for the show. So I'm on the Brent hype train. I know that Brent I know that Brent is standing on the peak of Andor hype, and I'm <laughs> I'm like, I hope I'm just like a couple rocks next to him, be, just because I love Rogue One, and when I heard about, it, I was excited too. But I know that Brent was just like, this is going to yeah. be next level. Brent's
2: driving the train on this hype train. I
1: yeah. mean, I like, I'm shoveling the coal. No. Hey, we all
2: get a turn. <laughs>
1: <Right>. <laughs> now, the only and the pro, there's two things that bother me about the hype train because now everybody's on the bandwagon. Right. Now that Obi-Wan is over, now everybody's on the Andor bandwagon. So one, I like to stay even keel. My wife calls me a Debbie Downer, but like I stay low that way if it doesn't no. hit my expect that that way if it doesn't hit my expectations, I don't fall very far because I'm I keep the expectations low. Like right now that I've been since 2020 have been at the peak of this little, so I'm like like Mount Everest. So if it doesn't live up, I'm probably going to fall a lot farther. So that worries me. The other thing that worries me is because it gets the hype and it gets the anticipation. The public seems to also nitpick over nitpick, absolutely everything that goes on because we have social media and we can do that. And I'm, it. <laughs> I got to make sure that I don't let that bother me because I have absolutely no connection to this movie other than the fact that I'm a Star Wars fan, right? I didn't make it. I, didn't, I don't own Disney stock. So I have really no connection to it, but I just, I got to let
2: the negativity that will, will come, absolutely will come. You know, the negativity doesn't just come from social media. I was thinking about this the other day because, you know, anybody that knows me, I just think about Star Wars all the freaking time. I don't think it's just social media. It's also the fact that we can watch stuff now over and over and over again, whenever we want, we don't have to pay $20 to go to the movie theater. So we can only see return of the Jedi, you know, once, you know, every few weeks, you know, when your parents will let you, you can just watch it over. I, I can sit at work and watch something at my leisure and By the sixth time, you pick up on little stuff like that that bothers you. I think if you could only see the Kenobi series one time, there wouldn't be as much. We wouldn't talk about it as much. But the fact that we can sit there and watch the episode five times before the next one comes out, there's a lot more to talk about. You see those little, you know, those things that don't make a little bit of sense or that stand out.
3: That's true.
0: Yeah, that's a great point, Alfie, and I mean, it's funny because my kid was watching Monsters, Inc. the other day, and I told him, I was like, I still remember the day that, uh, I still remember, you know, I, I was probably in third or fourth grade when Monsters, Inc. came out on DVD, and I remember I used to ask my mom if we could get the DVD the day it came out, and it was like, I told him I was like, yeah, I got the DVD the day it came out, and, you know. I always used to want to watch that and he was just like, it wasn't just on TV and I'm just like, nobody. <laughs> no,
2: you got it good. <laughs> yeah, my favorite is you couldn't just pause it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? You couldn't, you couldn't pause, pause it, it for the commercials. You couldn't like pause it for the commercial and no. no. We, we no you, had a ti- you had to you had to time your bathroom break, man. Yes. Yeah, those are
0: the- Those and, you know, like you said, Alfie, I think that adds up for everything. I mean, I uh, did any of you guys see the recent interview with Matt Damon talking about the changes in film and why certain films don't hit theaters? He was actually on uh, the Hot Ones podcast where they eat the wings and just kind of talk. And uh, the guy just basically said, you know, what, what what's the state of film right now as far as movies go and everything along those lines? And he said the problem is, is that, you know, if I want to make, you know, say an artsy film where it's like, you know, it's going to be 50 million for the cast, then you got to spend, send 50 million to the um, theater or whatever. And then, you know, he's like, say the movie makes close to 100 million. He's like, well, then I'm even he's like, we always knew that after a movie like that, it might catch on in the future. And sometimes your DVD sales would really boost you even further on that film. So like, you know, sometimes the cult classics are making money years later and stuff like that. And he said, those films just don't have a chance to make it in theaters now, because people aren't going to take that risk because you don't have I mean there's there's a lot of people who still do collect hard copies of DVDs but let's be honest most people don't anymore. Most people are streaming their movies or they just own the digital copy of the movie. So that and that's what's interesting a lot of these Disney movies, a lot of these Marvel movies, like I I didn't see Thor Love and Thunder in theaters cuz I knew it would probably be coming to I Disney plus. Yeah. And I've I've consciously made that decision where I'm just like yeah, I'll wait for Doctor Strange yeah, I'll wait for Thor Love and Thunder. I'll just, I'll just watch it at home, you know? And, you know, I like going to the theaters, but certain ones that I'm not, like, all in on,
2: I'm not going to show up for it. Yeah, phase four Spider-Man was the only movie that I cared about seeing in the theater. Because, yep. you know, it's only going to be a few weeks before it's on Disney+. Plus. Yep.
1: Um, I'll go another step just to throw this out there. My eight-year-old, no, eight? Why did I say eight? He turned eight. My son just turned eight. My daughter is ten. My daughter is watching She-Hulk with me. Um, she enjoys She-Hulk. I think possibly because it's based in the female character, but she really enjoys it. At the end of last week's episode, she's like, yeah, I think I just like TV better. It's only like 30 minutes. I don't have to wait two and a half hours. Like, And that statement, I think, is indicative of the culture too, right? It's we're in a TikTok culture versus... We're willing to invest two hours into a story, two and a half hours into a story to be pull- transported into a world far, far away, or whatever story it is. Like whatever you go to see, not everybody's willing in this generation, the younger generation, to put in the time needed for a two-three hour movie, unless there's something every two
2: minutes to catch your attention.
3: Absolutely. Unless
2: that's why I think it's you know uh, a. A risk we talked about this before to yeah. say the next star wars movie might you know 2028 you know might be the next one you know i'm just throwing it out there. i don't know that for sure but to put something out that far i mean who's to say that there's going to be a market big enough for that you know we're already like Doc is saying you know matt damon you know i listened to that too he's saying you know these films unless you hit a certain mark aren't going to go into the theater we all like to say that hey, it's Star Wars, everybody will go out to see it, but that wasn't true for Solo. Yeah. But it's still okay,
1: so it didn't make money the way that they expected it to make money. But it still
2: made money. And uh, now not when you have to reshoot the entire film. That movie had like a 400 plus million dollar budget.
3: But they also they also kind of shot themselves in the foot because they broke the pattern of the releases they've been doing at the holidays and they put it, you know, in May in the middle of the year, when it like for the prequels, that's when it was done in the past. But when you bet you've built this habit of people wanting it to come out around Christmas, why would you break that pattern? Or put
2: it out at the same time as infinity war.
3: Yeah, exactly. Like you've got so much other stuff going on. Wait till people are already Jones in a year later to want to have another star Wars fix. And there you go.
2: And yeah, I, mean, I, I mean, I believe in my heart that, you know, in five years, a Star Wars movie would still be a hit at the theater. But yeah, the more people get accustomed to just watching things and streaming them, you're going to continue to see that market for big, you know, big movies dwindle.
3: And I mean, it's yeah. like. Uh, it's
2: expensive to go to the movies.
3: It is. And it's oh, like it Halloween now. The, I think the final Halloween movie. They've announced, you know, you can stream it same day at home too. So I'm definitely not going to the theater. So I'm just going to where I can watch it.
1: I know D-Doc and I have the same feeling on this. I do, see th- I do see the writing on the wall and the trajectory. But I hope, beyond all hope, that the older generation can keep theaters open because watching it in the theater is just a different experience. It and is. I like, completely agree with you. Right. Like, and I just hope to be able to keep that. But in order f- to keep it, I got to keep going. Like, and I just haven't gone like I used yeah. to, but like I have to do my t- part to keep it going. And I just haven't um for you know, life reasons.
2: I hate to be, yeah, for life reasons for me too. I hate to be that guy that says, man, it's going to be a hundred dollars to go see a movie. Yeah.
1: yeah. Especially you know? with your family. Like you got yeah. like what five in your family.
2: Yeah. yeah, And it will probably be 150 because you got to throw food in there too. Yeah. It's it's not cheap, and you have to weigh, is this a movie worth going to see to pay yes. that kind of money for?
0: Yeah, and that's how it was when I just, for just me and my little guy to go see uh, Rogue One, it was a uh, matinee. I saw it at 12 o'clock, so I actually had 25% off.
3: Tickets between but it, me
0: and him were But it was the IMAX price. Yeah. So it was $27 for that. And then Fandango added like a $5 service fee, whatever the hell that is. So you're at 30, then you get, uh, you know, two drinks, a popcorn and a candy, and then you're looking at $60. So it was just about $60 for me to go see Rogue One uh, with the little guy. So it is, it is a little bit of an investment too. You know, you hope that the movie you're seeing is good. (laughs) But i knew that i knew that was the case with rogue one
2: i was willing to spend the money to see right. that on the big screen right. so i was fine with that yeah we're not talking about us here Doc. we're talking about you know the general masses here you know <laughs> exactly i'm going to be purchasing star wars tickets the second they go on sale if they were to announce a new movie tomorrow i would be online hitting refresh as fast as i freaking could and i think
1: most of the fan base would and not only that like i think it was a scott rifin that talked about comic books right so comic books a good circulation might be in the tens of thousands for a comic book but when you talk about a movie they're in like there are millions that go and see the movies right so it's just there it pulls in the casual fan it pulls in other people um I mean, hell, if they threw if they throw a baby Grogu onto the onto the big screen, they could print money. Right? Like <laughs> Flynn's making it rain over there because like I think that because of his because of his draw to the just the general public outside of the hardcore fan base. Doesn't even his, know they don't even know they, they wouldn't know anything else about it, but they know Grogu is in it, so they wouldn't want to go to see it.
0: I agree. And I will be, I I will say this forever and ever that these super popular shows need to end in film. And that's just my opinion on it is Peaky Blinders is doing it. It's a very popular show and I will be in the movie theater with a ton of people who have probably watched the uh, four or five seasons of Peaky Blinders and know these characters so well. And people will be so invested to see that movie in the theaters. And that's why I thought Game of Thrones should have done it because You never had such a hype show possibly ever than Game of Thrones. So, you know, you go put a movie out, people are going to be breaking the doors down to see what happens. And I would love for Mandalorian to do that because it would look great on the big screen.
2: I I think if you don't have a plan to wind all these live action series together and end with a movie, uh, you need to find a different line of work because this thing is writing itself. It's, it can't be that difficult to make this happen because that's the direction it looks like it's going.
0: Yes. And I'd like to believe that uh, Favreau and Filoni are somewhere in a bunker
2: discussing the plans to do that. I, I've said it many times. That is my belief is that these live action series will end with Ezra and Thrawn being found and that will be the start of a new trilogy.
0: Yes exactly
2: so all right well we hit on uh we hit a lot on last
0: jedi hit a lot on rogue one um i'm pretty much out of uh topics as far as my list goes do you guys have anything else uh you want to bring up uh on the show go
1: ahead brent only because Flynn is sitting here i feel like we got to give michael havens his due and
3: oh god throw some
1: shout outs to throw some shout outs to one ICC con um, or ICC I triple C, however you want to say it. I'm sorry, Michael, if we're not doing the branding, right. But uh, it brought us together. But the most recent, if you follow him on Facebook, he was talking about having a parade because the size of the place that he is the size of the place he was renting out, they're talking about having the first ever parade. So my guess is maybe getting the guest stars and like convertibles and driving whoever is going to be signing the autographs through that uh, fairground wow. area. Um, but who knows, right? It's a speculation. He did throw out a parade. Uh just want to throw that out there. What is it? May 28th, 29th and 30th or something like that. 26th through I believe late
3: around the end of May. Yeah.
1: Late May, they're uh, dot ICCCon.com. Take a look. I know that there's a lot of people that have heard about it from our podcast, but I do want to throw that out there. Give him a plug, a shout out um, and try to see. He said he's going to start releasing the guest list in January and he usually drops like one every couple months. And then when it gets closer, um, Mm -hmm. so like March, April, he'll start putting out like one a week or so
3: he's inadvertently dropped a big one already. So, you know, if you follow him on social media, you probably already know who it is, but I won't go any further than that. I mean, you brought it up. So why, like, if you said that, who do
1: you think it is? It's speculation at this point.
3: Um, I won't say who do I think it is. I'll say who I know it is, but okay, uh, he's, you yeah, know, if you, if you follow his social media, you may see some, uh, see him hanging out with some very high and mighty people. I'll just leave it at that. Okay. All right.
0: I'm going to start looking for clues now because I do follow them on everything. So I'm they, excited about that. They may have been
3: that. seen Batu together. That's all I can say.
0: Okay. All right. All right. I like it. I like it. And I know that it's at a, a huge complex this year. Yeah. My, it, I I feel like he said it was at a bigger one. And then I saw another post where he's just like, uh, yeah, hold on. It's even bigger. It's, this it's even yeah. bigger
3: <laughs> the rest of the land too, which I, I, I've chimed in on the post for it because it was so like, serendipitous because that was um, the second building in the area that he bought is where I had like one of my like world title matches 10 years ago up there. So it's like, all this is coming together again. And I'll be at another convention here in a couple, well, actually in about a month or so in the the first portion of the building that he brought. So I'm like, it's, it's all coming together. Like he literally said he was going to make it bigger and better for the fans this year. And I'll be danged if he didn't do it so I mean I'm I'm excited to be there again
2: I'm excited too
0: and I will be there this year I still have my credit (laughs) for the uh, plane ticket I'm not going to be you know on the verge of having a child this time so So I so you say now that you know of right so you say right now (laughs) I mean I'd like to think yeah I I don't I think I'm good (laughs) I think I'm good all right yeah so Brent, do you have anything else? We'll call that our uh, final thoughts and I'll wrap it around the horn. I'll go to each guy here.
1: Yeah, it's just fun to escape in a world far, far away. I mean, all of us are passionate, right? Like that's, if if it comes across as negative, it's because of there is a passion there. I don't think we got overly negative and I, I if ryan johnson makes a movie just like alfie said we will i guarantee you even though we say that we don't like him we'll be there to watch it and if it, if anything we'll be there to watch it to make fun of it afterwards right like but we'll still exactly. be there to watch it
0: exactly which I, I mean not to get too far off too but i i forgot to bring up the fact that his knives out series is very popular people yes. really like that so and that's it's been it's a redeeming quality up. for him and I, and I haven't seen it and i know they're teasing the second movie but i mean he's i feel like he's got some swagger with that series so who knows maybe he'll come i like Looper. yeah he's he's done some stuff so you know ryan johnson you get a new trilogy rule of the galaxy podcast our asses are going to be in the seats there you go all right
2: alfie uh what do you
0: got for final thoughts on tonight
2: well i mean it's a good time i'm always happy to talk star wars and i hope i didn't come across as too negative Uh, like Brent said, it's just because I'm passionate. I love Star Wars and I want to love the products that you make. Yes. We just
0: keep it real here. We're just having discussions. We're good. I thought it was a very low-key conversation about uh, about The the Last Jedi. I thought it was lit. I thought it was good. We're we're good to go. All right. Flynn, um, I, I feel like I only scratched the surface on everything you do. I, I think it, I, it was great having you as a guest on here tonight. Number one, I can't wait to meet you in person like these guys got to at the ICCC, triple. You got to body
1: slam them. You got to take them down. <laughs>
3: I mean, look, I'm an, I'm an
0: easy body slam. I'll tell you that.
3: <laughs> here, I took a stunner from somebody. So, I mean, I'm here to actually turn it around and give it to somebody else this year. So if he's yes. in, I'm in. I'm, I'm a pretty tall guy. I'm like a little over six feet.
0: And it's like people might think that, uh, you know, I might put up a fight. My brother is about five foot seven. He takes me down very easily. Oh, so.
3: sweet. So I'm the same size as your brother.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. So you got me. So number one, I mean, just why don't you just go into where everybody can find you, all the stuff that you're doing, you know, just tell us all about yourself to finish this off, where to find you on social media, all that fun
3: stuff. Absolutely. I'll make it easy for everybody. Um, and uh, there's kind of been some podcast restructuring where our second podcast is now going to be a part of the main I know you hear me podcast feed. So everything is now under Linktree slash the Flynn Hendricks, all one word. So you've got my website, my reels, uh, the podcast on all platforms, which is now uh, in the last couple of weeks just got added to iHeartRadio. It's got my wife's Etsy shop, which, you know, she does decals, um, vinyl, monograms, you name it. It's all on there. If you use the code Flynn, you get 10% off. You can also buy my shirts on there all my social media, everything that's on there, uh, will get you connected with me. It'll help you keep up with where I'm going. Um, this Thursday I'm flying out to Wisconsin for legacy pro wrestling showcase of champion seven. I will be defending the uh, Southern States championship there and debuting the, I know you hear me title. So nobody will ever take that one from me. No, you know, you'll have to conspiracy theory or whatever you want to do, but that stays with me. But I've got that. I've got another, uh, ultimate championship wrestling show this year may have about two or three more WWE things coming down the pipeline before new year. Uh, can't say yet, but that's what I'm being told anyway. So I'm, I'm staying busy. I've got to do some auditions before I hit leg day after this. So everything is busy. And if you want to book a murder mystery theater, if you're around the Nashville area, feel free because I'm now involved in that too. So Somewhere there's parenting, somewhere there's a husband in there, and then somewhere there's a guy that doesn't sleep. So, just go to linktree slash hendricks and keep up with all of it. And a new podcast will drop every other Thursday, starting this Thursday for Tales from the Haunt. And I Know You Hear Me drops every Friday, and we're in our third season now. So, man, just go get it. There's a lot of big names coming up in there. If you're a fan of Looney Tunes, um, Bob Bergen, who's been the voice of Porky Pig for 30 years, he's going to be in there. Um, I've got you know, I've had Jonathan Joss from King of the Hill, a lot of the Dragon Ball voice actors. I've had just about everybody you can think of, and you know, it's just taking on a life of its own, so feel free to jump on the bandwagon, have some fun, and be a Star Wars fan with me, too, because this was a blast, and I love that we didn't get pulled into the the muck of negativity that seems to go around, too, so just come nerd out with me on social media, listen to the podcast, and support and support these guys, too, because, I mean, I think we had the discussion of what was the best lightsaber in, in the Star Wars galaxy. And I believe <laughs> you know, i on Count Dooku, so I knew you guys were good. people off spot right there. So I, I would have gotten mine out, but it's kind of buried behind some statues and figures over here. So not easy access, but yeah, I knew you guys were like good people right off the bat when that happened. So I, I was absolutely honored to be here tonight and get a chance to chat it up with you guys and show for myself, too. Of course, of course.
0: And, you know, well, we can definitely have you back on in the future. And we're excited to see you again at the ICCC because, I mean, I I saw everything that went on there. I heard about it. I was making TikToks for it. I was very excited for the guys that were there. And I was hoping that I was going to have that baby while it was going on. So I knew that it was okay that I missed
1: it. Absolutely.
3: Of course. Parenting and family always comes first, but I will say too, if you missed it last year, make sure you got tickets this year. And if there's an after hours event, definitely stay again, because I I, I wasn't kidding. I took a stunner and I also got assaulted (laughs) by a 12 year old child after hours, but it raised money for charity. So it was all for a good cause. And who knows? It may happen again this year.
0: Absolutely. 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 All right, well, that is chapter 162 of Rule of the Galaxy podcast. I didn't say it in the beginning, but if you guys want to email us, you can email us at ruleofthegalaxysw at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at ruleofthegalaxysw. You can find us on TikTok. That's where I'm making our little short videos and clipping stuff from this podcast and having a little bit of fun with uh, some toy uh, unboxings. You'll see Alfie on there as well and all that fun stuff. And that's pretty much it. I know, just as Joe would say, just look up Rule the Galaxy, YouTube, Instagram, you'll find us there. So this is Dave wrapping up chapter 162 of Rule the Galaxy podcast. From me, from Brent, from Alfie, from Flynn, until the next time, may the force be with you.